Hello, I'm Natasha Mirosh. Welcome to Extra Virgin Postcards, where I invite a guest from around the world to share what they love about where they live, what there is to see and do, and where to eat and drink. You'll get insights that only a local would know. So whether you're looking for destination information or just armchair travelling, let this Extra Virgin Postcard take you away. Hello, I'm Uti Yonka and I'm a travel writer and when I'm not travelling, I live in Sydney, which as most people know is on the east coast of Australia, sort of halfway between Brisbane and Melbourne. And I was born here, I've lived most of my life here, but I think I have a slightly different perspective on the city because my parents immigrated here from Germany and I always grew up hearing about the city through their eyes. They would tell me about when they arrived in the early 60s. And even then, Sydney was Australia's largest city, but it was a small town kind of place. You know, dad would point to some low building on the horizon and go, that was the tallest building in Sydney when I arrived, you know, and they would tell me about the three restaurants that were open and how the pubs used to shut at six. And I can see that even in myself today, I look back on the Sydney that I grew up in. It was a very different kind of place. There were large parts of the centre of town that you didn't really go to, not because they were dangerous, but because there was nothing really there. They They were run down and not used a lot and there was no reason to go there. And of course, these days, Sydney is this bustling modern city where sort of Every square inch is packed with things to see or do. And so when I look at Sydney, I see this city that is constantly reinventing itself and new parts of town. The town is always spreading out, as many cities do, but even within the sort of the tight patchwork of the inner city, there's always fresh stuff springing up. And that could be a big development project like the Barangaroo Precinct on the harbour, or it could just be sort of more organic growth as we've seen in various inner city suburbs. And so Sydney to me, it's never quite being, it's always in the process of becoming. One of the things I love about Sydney is it's also a really beautiful city. I mean, everybody knows about Sydney Harbour, which is where the city sprang from. It's grown a long way since then, but for many people, the harbour and the beaches are still the heart of the city and their experience of the city. What many people don't realise is that Sydney is also a city surrounded by the bush. So you can head in one direction and you'll reach the Blue Mountains, which are this fantastic world heritage wilderness, these soaring sandstone cliffs carpeted in eucalyptus forests, just absolutely beautiful. You can go in another direction and you'll hit what is actually the world's second oldest national park the Royal National Park. A lot of people don't realise that we have the second oldest after Yellowstone in the States. And that is another magnificent outdoor playground that's sort of with bush and it runs down to the coast and there are beaches and there are waterholes and there are amazing hikes. So there's a lot of beauty in the city. And of course, it's built on a sandstone plateau. So as you walk through town, if you're paying attention, you will, everywhere you look, you'll find these 
sometimes little glimpses, sometimes, you know, solid walls of sandstone that sort of glow in the afternoon light. And that to me is also something that's really, really Sydney. The other thing I love about Sydney is that it gives solid, solid doses of the two things I love the most, which are nature and culture. Actually, there's a third thing and that's food. And we have plenty of that too, but I'll get to that in a minute. If you're into culture, we have so much to see and do and some really great venues to see and do it in. So the Sydney Opera House, obviously, you can go there, you can see an opera or a play or a concert or a reading, and that is a really fantastic experience. I mean, going out during the break and having a drink while looking out at the Harbour Bridge twinkling beneath the stars that's that's absolutely fantastic but there's lots of other venues so down in Miller's Point you have sort of the arts precinct which is built into these old wharves and you can catch a play down there or a dance performance that's also a fantastic area I also really really recommend the Australian Museum which is up near Hyde Park so we're still in the center of town And that's in an old sandstone building. So if you're interested in the history of Australia, including, of course, the Indigenous history, or just, you know, our really unique plant and animal life, that is a great place to visit. And actually, while I just mentioned Indigenous history, that's that's something else I think is really important. It's another way in which the city has changed. So when I was growing up, uh, we never really thought of the city as having an Indigenous history. So, you know, if you were playing out in a patch of bush, you'd probably find a little, you know, a little ledge of sandstone that had some old rock carvings in it. But you wouldn't really think of those as an item that had a cultural context around it. And these days it's much easier to connect to that Indigenous culture and history of Sydney. There's a whole range of walking tours right throughout the centre of town. For instance, you can even go down to the Botanic Gardens, which is sort of next to the Opera House on the harbour. And that was the site of the first farm in the European colony. But you can do some great experiences there from an Indigenous perspective, learning about connection to place and the plants and animals that they used and how they managed the landscape and all of that. So that is really, really, really interesting. So that's the, that's the culture side of things. Then there's the nature side of things. And this is somewhere where we are so blessed, honestly. I mean, I'm a travel writer. I travel all over the world. And there's very few cities that can rival Sydney for this. Beaches, obviously, are very, very famous. I also love the coastal pools that we've got. This is such a Sydney thing, and you find them right throughout town. You find them up in the northern beaches. You'll find them on Cremorne Point, which, again, is sort of opposite on the opposite side of the harbour to the Opera House. You'll find them Bondi has a really famous one, Bondi Icebergs, but a bit further along, Coogee has a couple of them. There's Wiley Baths and there's the Women's Pool, which is solely for women. And these are just fantastic experiences that 
you won't find in many other places in the world. So that's one thing I love about Sydney. But again, it's, I mentioned the bush earlier. And one of the things Sydney has, it has bush in the heart of town, which is something so special. So one of the, one of the things, because Sydney was developed under military command when it was a colony. So the coastal fringes were the control of them was kept by the military. So you've got these pockets of bush along many stretches of coast. And so you can do these lovely bushwalks in the heart of town. The famous one, I guess, is the Bondi to Bronte walk, which is in fact only part of the walk. You can you can keep walking once you've reached Bronte. Yeah, go to a cafe, have a, have a flat white or something because, you know, cafes are very Sydney. But keep going along the coast and you'll come to, you'll go through Clavelli where there's a harbour pool there, a beach and a harbour pool. And there is also the most spectacular cemetery in Sydney, which is on a cliff looking down at the ocean with these fantastic tombs and monuments. It's really worth a visit. And then through Clavelli and onto Coogee. So that's a fantastic walk. In the eastern suburbs, you've got the Hermitage Foreshore Walk, which is much shorter, but it's really beautiful. And you walk along behind these really posh mansions in this pocket of bushland by the water. And there's a couple of teeny, 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 tiny beaches, just, you know, tiny little strips of sand. And this is on the harbour side and you can only get there on foot and they are utterly charming. The the mother of all coastal Sydney bushwalks is the Spit to Manly, which is on the North Shore. And that one is quite hardcore. You have to have a good level of fitness and mobility to tackle it. It's 10 kilometres, takes you about three to four hours because there's a lot of up and down. But Honestly, it's so gorgeous. You're always either in the bush or on a cliff or by the water. There's some indigenous carvings along the way. You'll disturb goannas basking in the sun. Goannas are great big lizards that sometimes freak people out, but they're, you know, they're fine. It is, it is a really, really one of my favourite things to do. So come the weekend... You might find me on one of those walks because one of the things I love to do on the weekend is get out and get active. But, you know, there's also lots of quieter pockets where you can you can absorb that nature without being, without overexerting yourself. One of the ones that I love is over just by the Harbour Bridge on the north side of the harbour in Lavender Bay is a gorgeous little secret garden that was created by Wendy Whiteley. Now, if you're into art, you may know the name of Brett Whiteley, who was a celebrated Australian artist who died very, very young. And Wendy Whiteley was his widow and obviously distraught. She had a young daughter at a time. And one of the ways she dealt with her grief was she, they lived in Lavender Bay. Whiteley is famous for these fantastic sort of images of the harbour that he painted from their apartment. And this sort of disused stretch of land that was by the railway line that had just had rubbish thrown in, in it for decades. And she just spent 
years sort of cleaning this place out and planting and landscaping. And it's a beautiful little place to sit. And it's got such a lovely story behind it. The other thing I love to do on weekends is go exploring within Sydney. And again, this is something that's really changed in my lifetime. We've started to realise that we have stories to share about this place and the people who live on it. And exploring the neighbourhoods of Sydney with this sort of knowledge and there's all kinds of ways you can do it. I mean, you might want to, and it depends what you're interested in. So just to pick a couple of suburbs, inner city suburbs at random, inner west, Newtown and Enmore. When I was at uni, that was that was where uni students lived. You lived in a rundown little terrace next to old migrant families who'd lived there for 40 years. And there were, you know, some cheap divey bars and places where you could get a bowl of pasta for four bucks, which as uni students, we all did. But these days, Newtown, Erskineville, Enmore, they are really hip, vibey, cool places. There's, you know, there's amazing street art. There's great bars and restaurants and cafes there's breweries it's really funky so that is something that you might choose to explore on your own or you could try a walking tour with a company like gourmet safaris that will go and introduce you to the people who live in these communities and run businesses in these communities and that's really fun or you might go somewhere like Paddington, which again when i was growing up it was famous for its very funky markets and, you know, had some cafes and some boutiques. These days, it's got a great art scene happening. And you can also have a really interesting explore of the architecture. There's some fantastic new stuff like the Paddington Reservoir, which obviously used to be a reservoir that held water, that they've sort of done this fantastic, they've built a garden into it. It's all about building gardens in Sydney, isn't it? They've built this garden into it that is just this really cool example of reuse. But even just when you walk the streets these days with a different sort of eye, because in some of the avenues behind the main drag, the main drag is Oxford Street, some of the avenues behind there are these grand Victorian mansions. And then you go around the corner and there's these tiny little mews with tiny little mews houses, which of course is where the servants who worked in the grand mansions lived. So, you know, every every little pocket has its own stories. And the city of Sydney, which is the local council, has some fantastic brochures for walks that you can download that will talk you through the history of these areas and point out that that grand building called Juniper Hall was actually built by the colony's first gin merchant. And the windy road that runs down beside it is the road that he used to, you know, his his ox-drawn cart would take his produce for along. Yeah, so that's the sort of stuff that I love to do on the weekend. Now, we haven't really touched on food and drink in a big way because, oh, gosh, I need, you know, you doing anything for the next couple of hours because we could have a really good talk about this. Uh, let's let's keep it simple and say that Sydney has great food, great drink, great coffee. I did mention that, didn't I? And if you like your coffee with milk, it's a flat white in case you're coming from far away. Okay, just that's a that's black coffee with some milk in it flat white, that'll get you right. But what I will say is this is one of the things, again, that I love in the way the city is evolving is now there is pretty much 
wherever you are in town, you will find something good to eat. The, there are still sort of dining hotspots, neighbourhoods like Surrey Hills, say, but everywhere in town you can get something which wasn't always the case. And I'm thinking particularly here of Circular Quay circular and The Rocks, which used to be, you know, overpriced tourist hubs and you would you would never eat there. You'd walk two kilometres to get somewhere where you could have a decent feed for decent price. And now there's some really cool stuff happening there. So, for instance, down at Circular Quay, there's a great building called Hinchcliffe House, which has a number of restaurants and bars in there. And it's this old wool store. So it's made entirely of sandstone. So it's worth going there just to sit in that environment Downstairs, the restaurant is called Grana and it's a relaxed Italian eatery, but the food is so good. Upstairs, the slightly fancier Lana is also amazing. That's sort of more seafoody. And down in the rocks, this whole bunch of little pocket-sized bars has sprung up, again, in these heritage sandstone buildings, places like the Keel and the Doss House and Frank Max. And so you can do a great little bar hop along there. I also just want to throw in, if you are in the mood for something special, there are a couple of fantastic restaurants nestled in the bush, sort of in the north of the city, up on the Hawkesbury. So that's Cottage Point Inn and Barara Waters Inn. I mean, the rich and famous go there by seaplane, but that's not obligatory, okay? (laughs) You can go there without there. And oh, one thing that is obligatory, if you're not a vegetarian, fish and chips. Very, very Sydney. You can do, just grab fish and chips. Any Anytime you're near the beach, you'll find a chipper. You know, you have fish and chips by the water, sitting in the sand, sitting on the grass near the sand. Or you can go to one of sort of the, the premium fish and chips experiences. So there's one in Rose Bay that is absolutely sensational and that's all very sustainably focused and only does Murray Cod and does it on a rotisserie like a charcoal chicken, but it's fish absolutely fantastic that's from josh and island who is a really interesting seafood chef if you're into food look him up so see now i'm about to start ranting and i don't want to try your patience too much so i'll wind it up here i hope i've given you at least a taste of a city that i really really love and hope to see you sometime soon You've been listening to Extra Virgin, a podcast for the Epicurious. You can get more great food and travel inspiration, including stories, recipes, reviews, and more on our website, www.extravirginfoodandtravel.com. You can also follow Extra Virgin Food and Travel on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email us at extravirginfoodandtravel at gmail.com. If you haven't already, go to Apple, Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to download and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until we meet again, bon voyage and bon appétit.